Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Well, joining us is uh, Sarah Edelman, uh, clinical psychologist, author, of course, of Change Your Thinking. Sarah, good evening. Welcome, welcome back. Hi, Philip. It's good to be back. Uh, gambling's very common in Australia, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And in fact, uh, the research shows that about 35% of the population gamble at least monthly. And uh, as you said a little earlier, Australians spend more on gambling per head of population than any other country in the world. Do you gamble? No, I don't. I don't even buy tats tickets. I'm not the really? slightest bit interested. I find I'm a lottery totally... ticket. I'm a lottery ticket buyer. Why I know would the, you bother? I'm, I'm, Why would you bother? Well, I know the odds are, are stupid. I know that. I know that. But would your life change that much? I mean, if, even if you won, would it make such a big difference? Oh, it would make a fair bit of difference. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just don't think personally, I mean, maybe it's a stage of life thing. I just think at this stage of my well, life, it wouldn't even change my life much. Well, it's just by that way of declaration of interest first up, I suppose. <laughs> but I don't do other forms of gambling. I, I used to gamble on the Melbourne Cup once a year. But not See, any- I don't even do but that. But I don't do that anymore. I don't I, do that anymore. I just really dislike the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole industry. No, no, sure. I don't do that anymore. I'm either. sure I'm a minor- in the minority uh, here tonight. Lottery ticket uh, only. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it is very common, as you say. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, the average amount spent on gambling per head of the population amongst people who gamble is $1,300 per year. And that's an average. So that includes hmm. people who only sort of buy the odd lottery ticket or, you know, put $20 on the Melbourne Cup. And then, of course, it includes people with um, with huge losses. Hmm. And in fact, the overall gambling losses in Australia are $25 billion a year. And, um, and amongst uh, problem gamblers, the average loss is about $21,000 per head. And it's actually interesting because there's relatively little government population for an industry that is, you know, is known to inflict um, regulation, enormous harm. Mm. So regulation, mm. yes, mm. Um, for an industry that's known to inflict uh, enormous harm for some people. Mm. What do we do most of? I mean, I said I buy lottery tickets. Yeah, is by, that what by, most, but most people do? Yeah, yeah, and in fact, seventy six percent of the population um, would uh, buy a lottery ticket ah, at least once I've in, got in, in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most common, and the second most common is scratchies. Oh, yeah, and, mm. and uh, that's about twenty two percent of the population, and um, then electronic gaming machines. That's pokies. Or pokies, yeah. yeah. So, and they're twenty one percent of the population. So those three are the most um, most common. Mind and you, they they're heavily concentrated. Aren't they and only some parts they, of Australia? Yeah. They they absolutely are, and I'm sure we'll get around to talking about New South Wales um, mm. because that in particular is a real problem um, in New South Wales. But I mean, the other thing that people um, and, and there's a sort of an equal spread of a whole lot of different uh, things, including racing. It's about 14 percent of the population bet on racing, sports betting, eight um, percent kino, casino, table games. See, I was surprised at that figure on sports betting. I would have. Th- you, you kind of get a sense, judging by the, you know, the avalanche of ads you get about it, that it would be more than that. But it's only eight percent. 
that, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised about that too. But I guess it's, I mean, there's, there's two things. One is what percent of the population engages it. And then secondly, it's um, how much the losses actually are. And, and, and often there's a huge, there's, there's a quite a big discrepancy between the two. Mm. But yeah, I must say I was a bit surprised about that statistic as well. And this is based on um, sort of long technical name, Household Income and Labor Dynamics in Australia Survey, uh, Australian Gambling Report, published in 2017. Oh, so yeah. they're, they're mm. the figures that um, that I'm quoting here. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a it's a rely it's a very uh, reputable survey. All of that too. Mm. Casino mm. games, casino table games. That is people betting on roulette and. Blackjack and all that yes, is also not yes. very high, but then again, I suppose most people yeah. don't go to casinos, do they? No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So over, mm. overall, it's not a lot. And bingo's three percent. Who would have thought? I didn't even realise you bet on bingo. I think you just play it. Come on, <laughs> you, you actually bet money on bingo. <laughs> that's the the only reason to play. <laughs> oh, I thought isn't that just when they have you know have the no. squares and the numbers? Yeah, and but you've got to buy out? the card, and you buy the card, and when when you've oh. when you've, if you've if you've blotted out all the numbers before anyone else, you shout out. Bingo, then oh. the cash prize, which is usually the prize of all the people who bought the tickets, that's yours. Oh, I had that's no how it idea it involved money. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. Sarah, um, I did know. I did know poker, though. I do know that poker involves um, uh, uh, betting, uh, betting money, and it's t- only two percent of the population. And I was listening to actually interesting podcast on on uh, podcast uh, someone who who plays poker or played poker, and uh, apparently it's um, one third luck, one third skill, and mathematical sort of um, probability equations, and also one third psychology and bluffing and knowing how to bluff. Um, mm. So, what yeah. if we, we lose the most at what pokies number one is it? Um, well, I mean, what forms what forms of gambling lead to the greatest losses? Yeah, well, actually, there's um, even though, as you said, scratchies and lot- lottery tickets are the, the most common. Electronic gambling machines are amongst the highest. So there's uh, electronic gambling machines, races, sports bet. Um, and even casino game, table games and poker, they're all roughly the same. They're all around $1,300 per head. But when we're talking about that amount, we're talking about average. And when you have average losses of $1,300 uh, per person, then you're really including losses of you know some people that are, hmm. that are losing hundreds of thousands or even more. Hmm. 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 What percentage of people who gamble have an addiction or problem with it? Yeah, it's about – the estimates are about 7% of the Australian population of, of Australian adults have, well, in 2018, had gambling-related gambling, gambling related problems. And that can be from people who've sort of play, you know, lost a lot of money, had to borrow money, got into a bit of trouble, to people who have a really severe uh, gambling disorder which totally dominates their lives and really makes it very difficult to sort of function in, in, in other ways. So there's sort of, I guess, a spectrum of problem gambling. But it's about 7%, which is about 1.3 million people uh, around Australia. So it's still quite significant. What do we define as a problem gambler? Um, well, uh, as I said, there are, there are different, um, different mm. uh, c- conditions. But if you want to know, I mean, the gambling disorder, which is the more extreme, uh, at, the, at, the, at the extreme end is someone who's preoccupied with gambling constantly, plan, constantly planning gambling activities and how to get more, more gambling money, needing to gamble with increasingly increasing amounts of money because to get the same thrill they need more and more, trying to control uh, but cut back or stop gambling 
struggling but just can't, uh, feeling restless or irritable when they try to stop uh, or cut down on gambling, um, trying to get back lost money from gambling, chasing mm-hmm. losses and then losing more, uh, lying to family members uh, or others to hide the extent of the gambling, um, risking losing important relationships or jobs or opportunities. So really where, where gambling really plays a terrible, you know, has a terrible impact on a person's life. Mm. Um, so it can be How does severe. it differ from casual gambling? I mean, based on my own self-confession, I'm probably a casual gambler, I guess. Well, barely from what you're saying. <laughs> but but uh, casual gamblers enjoy gambling. Um, they mm. might, you know, have a punt. They might go to the races. They might – well, it, it really isn't limited in terms of what you gamble on. You can – any any form of gambling, but they they have a limit. They know when to stop. Um, they do it for entertainment. Um, they uh, they don't lose more money than you know the, than they're planning. Um, so overall, it's sort of really just a form of recreation, and um, you know as opposed to problem gambling that really involves this uncontrollable urge to keep gam- keep on gambling, despite you know losses, despite negative outcomes, despite promising family members and other people that. You're not going to do it. So it's that lack of control and when you're sort of in that zone. So people can sort of force, you know, swear that they're never going to gamble again when they're not actually, um, you know, engaged in the gambling sort of process. But once they're they're in that zone, it sort of becomes really hard to control and very difficult to stop. Hmm. Why do problem gamblers gamblers continue to gamble after they've lost? I mean, they're not stupid people. They do understand the likelihood of winning. Why do they continue to do it? Well, when they're in that in that sort of space where the you know the, the the biological changes are taking place in their in their brain, you've got high levels of dopamine, which is that feel good um, feel good chemical, and they've got adrenaline and they're excited. Um, and there's a, this feeling that they're just one bit away from winning. It feels like if I just play, you know, play a bit longer, you know, you might have lost a bit of money, but if I just keep playing, I'll, I'll make up for it. And then as as they lose more and more. They often start to panic at the amount that they that they've lost, and they're determined to get it back. So this is called chasing losses. So the more they they sort of try and um, make up for the losses, the more money they lose. And and sometimes people will get uh, what's called post loss speeding, which is you've lost so much money, you just become impulsive and reckless, and then you sort of bet huge, you know, uh, uh, totally unaffordable amounts, and you don't care because of, you know the frustration and the the emotional effect of losing so much money just makes you want to you know damn it just keep keep playing and keep losing mm. yeah I suppose I not justified to myself but I think well if I buy a ticket I could win because every week someone wins yeah the no, odds I know are the terrible. no no I know the odds <laughs> are ter- no I know the yeah. odds are terrible but then again yeah. someone wins <laughs> so it could be me do you think that's what gamblers do? Yeah, I mean, they often have unrealistic um, calculations in terms of probability. But I think there's two states. I think there's a state when you're not in the middle of gambling, when your amygdala is not um, firing and lots of neuro, you know, part, the emotional part of your brain is not sort of hot and lots of neural activation. So when you can step back and think a little bit more rationally, people might say, look, I, I, I know it's hard to win and I know the odds are against me and uh, people can be a little bit more rational. 
rational, but when they're in that in that emotionally aroused state, um, logical thinking goes out the window. It's in the same in, in a very similar vein to someone who sort of is trying to lose weight, and you know they, there's they, they've got a chocolate cake in front of them, and they know that they shouldn't, and they sort of think, well, I don't care, I'm just going to have that. So people behave very irrationally when the emotional part of their brain is aroused, and it's almost like you know there's different parts of themselves that that respond in different ways. Mm. Actually, it's interesting though that part of the treatment for problem gambling is explaining to people the odds. Um, and I know that you know for some for some parts of the treatment, it really is looking at the odds and just demonstrating how they are much more likely to lose, highly <laughs> likely to lose. I um, once heard it described yeah. as uh, what I, my behaviour is: it's a form of taxation on mathematically stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, of which I also, include, my, of which I include yeah, myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's also for people who are often the most vulnerable people who can afford it the least. I mean, I think if you, you know, you buy the odd tax ticket, it doesn't matter. Um, but when you look at the people who are really often suffering the most from from problem gambling, they're people who really can't afford it, and it has terrible effects on on their families, on on their lives, on on their mental health. I mean, mm, really, mm. really depressing. Do you think as, as from a psychological point of view, are some people more prone to to become a problem gambler than others? There is. I mean, the research suggests that the per, a certain personality style is more likely to gamble, and it's someone who's by nature a bit competitive, impulsive, very restless, easily bored, has this sort of constant urge to be stimulated and, and to do things. Um, people with a history of trauma also have a, mm. an increased risk of all forms of addiction, including gambling addiction. Um, people who were introduced to gambling at an early age, and often that's through parent, parental um, gambling. Uh, and in fact, having a parent who has a gambling, gambling problem increases your risk of being a problem gambler yourself by more than tenfold. In fact, it's something like 14, 14-fold if you have a father who gambles mm. and a 12-fold if it's a mother who gambles. Would that be – that might be similar in terms of other behaviours, might, might it? So if you're – Parent is, I don't know, drinks alcohol. You probably are more likely to drink alcohol, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah. Or yes, that, that that that's absolutely true. So it's what you're exposed to. Mm, um, mm. So that early exposure, being introduced to gambling at an early age, is um, is 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 definitely a risk factor, and also just being male. So males, really? are, yeah, males are twice as likely to be problem gamblers. The actual the actual prevalence prevalence of gambling between both genders is pretty similar. I mean, there, there are more men who gamble than women, but it's not dramatically different. But if you look at problem gamblers, it's more often um, men. It's about 10% of why men. Is versus, why is that? Why, why do men gamble um, more? It's, I don't know. And it's the same with all substance abuse disorders. So if you look at the sort of disorders that women are more likely to have, they're more likely to have depression, higher prevalence of anxiety disorders, um, or what we call affective disorders, uh, disorders of emotion. But substance abuse disorders, drugs, alcohol, gambling, much more common amongst men. And I, I, I don't know the reasons mm. for that. Dr. Sarah Edelman, and we're, uh, Sarah's a clinical psychologist, as you know. We're talking about gambling and why people do it and so on. Um, a couple of calls on the board here. Uh, Josh from Ballina. Hi, Josh. Yeah, hi. Hi, Phil. How are you? Not bad. Yeah, mate. Um, look, I was a little bit curious because, uh, you know, like you were you started off with the Australian psyche of it and why we why we do this. 
Um, you know, and I, I was thinking back to, um, you know, the fact that we might go to our school, like uh, you and uh, Susan, was it? Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. Sorry, Sarah. Mm-hmm. No um, worries. Uh, you get, ever ever bought a raffle ticket for a meat tray? Yeah, I bet I bet you Sarah has. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I have. But, but I mean, I see that as a but yeah. That part of our gambling yeah. life in Australia. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I see that as just a donation to a charity. But yes, yeah, technically for sure. Yeah. But that's that's the little that's the little tease, you know. Yeah. Like everything's yeah. got a tease. Yeah. But and I mean, even like when I when I vote on my next election coming up in what two weeks in New South Wales or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a gamble on, like, I, I, you know, on who I want in politics, and I'm going to put my vote. You know, so even our is even that our a, is that a gamble, Josh? You reckon that's a gamble? It, it, well, it's a gamble because maybe I, I might think that, like, even though there's a political a, a, a party I want to vote for, or a member I want to vote for, yeah. Uh, Maybe they don't align with the the whole parties. Like, so I've got to look at maybe do I bet for, or like I'm saying this now, because do I vote for the the party that I think will do the best job, or do I vote for the party that? <laughs> I know. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> so you're calculating the and odds. I, and I guess Josh raises a good point, and that is we think of gambling as just always financial, you know, yeah. spending money. And I suppose sometimes we gamble on, you know, decisions. Um, so if we, if we use the term sort of in a, in a broader way, we sometimes gamble on you know, making a decision or doing something which we might even later regret. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One three hundred. Thanks, Josh. One three hundred eight hundred triple two is the number. Matthew from Seaford. G'day, Matthew. Oh, good evening, uh, Philip. How are you, sir? Pretty well. Uh, Hi, Matthew. Evening. Good evening, Doctor Sarah. How are you? Good, thanks. That's great. I, I love the distinction you made between entertainment and addiction. Mm-hmm. Whereby, you know, I was raised as I'm sailing off into my twilight years. You know, betting on a fly up the wall, two up those sorts of games, as the gentleman previously uh, said, you know, a, a meat raffle. But the most pernicious thing that's occurred in this country is uh, poking machines. And where it's pernicious is whereby it hits the lowest socioeconomic people that have little or no money left after they've paid their rent and their bills and they chance their hand. And I'm throwing a wet lettuce at this because there's no solution. So, Dr. Sarah, I'd be interested to see... And, and find out what your solution would be because there's no way they're going to ban them. The, the government re- receives too much tax revenue from them. Mm. Well, there's, yeah. Yeah, they could. Cool. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, go, 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 um, yeah look, I, th- I mean, I think it, it is all about government regulation and there are two issues for the government. One is that they get, uh, or, or the, both major political parties get substantial donations from the um, um, pubs and clubs and uh, gambling industry. And secondly, they uh, also get a huge amount of uh, tax revenue from uh, all those poor people who lose huge amounts of money um, and so I think in the Whitlam song they talk about you know um, 
they're taking the food off your table so we can say that the trains run on time and mm. what they're saying is that money goes into taxes. So, so um, uh, historically, certainly um, all the political parties have been addicted to gambling because it's sort of uh, – it's, it's helped raise revenue. But mm. uh, I don't know if later we're going to get a chance to talk about the cashless gaming card. Um, yeah, we might. I'll tell you, what, Will Hagen's given us a call um, – Will, good evening. Will, of course, uh, from Motorsport Commentator, of course, and journalist and uh, someone well known to the nightlife audience. Will, you were a croupier at the Golden Nugget <laughs> Casino. I did not realise. <laughs> of all the things, Will Hagen, I've seen you behind the wheel of, I thought a roulette wheel was not one of them. <laughs> well, this was the weird thing. I went to England in late 75 to take delivery of my first new car, but also with the thing that I'd chase as much motorsport as I could, and I'd forget about career. Right. I'd work at anything. And then I saw an ad, and I'd done all sorts of stuff. I'd moved props for the BBC. I'd uh, driven rental cars over to Wales and all sorts of things, worked a night in a coffee factory. And then I saw this ad for, with a, a, an age limit on it that I was getting close to for croupiers in the yeah. Golden Nugget Casino for training. Yeah. And I loved mental arithmetic, so I thought, well, oh, so I applied, and we had six weeks of training. We had to learn our 5, 8, 11, 17, and 35 times table up to 20. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. Amidst uh, many things we were told, they said, you won't be able to deal fast enough for the first three months to make money for the house. We expect you to do a deal a minute. Wow. So play, place your bets. Well, this is playing blackjack, um, is it? No, this is roulette. Roulette, okay, yeah. Place, place your bets, spin the wheel, and it must go at least three times, and you'd sort of, if the game was a bit slow, you'd, uh, uh, you'd spin it five times, but if it was, it was a lot happening, you'd give it a really big spin, mm. uh, drop, call out the winning number and colour, clear the table, pay out the bet, and get ready, place your bets, please, and go again. And one day... Well, you had to do that, what, how, many, how many times a minute? What did you say? One a minute? Well, you, they expected you one a, once a minute. One a minute? And, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was fantastic. We had a guy who used to walk in, and uh, he'd place £10 on an even money bet. If it won, he'd put the £10 pay back in his pocket and go and bet with the payout. Yeah. And if it didn't win, he walked straight out again. <laughs> we, had an, we, had a, we had an African there who used to be... Um, casting spells on the wheel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 we couldn't we couldn't say anything to the punter except place your bet, please, place, place your bets, please, or and when we wanted an inspector, we clicked our finger mm-hmm. or we, and they were the only two things we could do. We couldn't call out or anything, and people could insult you. I had a woman there who used to was a regular punter, and she'd say, "He's hopeless. This creepier." He only ever spins the first dozen, to which I'd have said, if I could have said anything, well, why don't you bet on the first dozen, you silly old thing? <laughs> but, but one day, mm-hmm. one day, we had a German guy there, a punter, and his, his wife, uh, and though his mother, sorry, his mother, and she was relatively sane, but he, he was a bit crazy. And he used only to bet on one particular uh, even chance. And actually, he had over 20,000 quid of what the casino regarded as their money at that stage. He was ahead, you see. And one day, one afternoon, I'm on this table and um, Crybaby comes onto the table. 
and 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 look, it's weird uh, how, how things happen because there are other people punting there. But suddenly, I've got an exclusive inspector. Normally, inspector looked at six tables, and they went up and down. And as I say, if you click for them to check mm. on a payout or something, they'd come and look and nod and go away and look at the other tables. But when there was somebody really doing some big business, you got you got an exclusive inspector. So this inspector standing on this table, somehow all the other punters have gone and crybaby's going flat out, you see. And I'm going as fast as I can. And as I, every time he won something, I'd no sooner make up the chip payout, the inspector would look at me and nod and I'd push it across. And I was probably doing towards three spins a minute. Now, now, Mm -hmm. your first night back, well, no, we used to go until 4 a.m. And they'd they'd call out last three spins. And every croupier then went like blazes because the worst thing you could have was to be one of the few tables that was still uh, operating when you, you had your last spin to go and all the lunatics in the joint were Betty and the table was awash with chips, you see. <laughs> and on this particular day, or particular early morning, I saw a guy loading up number 35. And normally you don't look at the, you're looking at the layout to make sure nobody puts a late bet on. But between that, I could just see the, the ball and number 35 heading to each other. And it dropped. And I called the winning thing. And this bloke who'd been putting all the money on number 35, he let out a little chirpy yell you know and i paid him out so this afternoon many many weeks later with crybaby the inspector said that was good and we used to get a break every three quarters of an hour we'd go off to the restroom and um, when it came time for my break the inspector said to me that was good he said you dealt well that almost makes up for that $1,329 pounds. I said, do you remember that? He said, I'll never forget. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's and a very no, good. That's no a ve- cameras <laughs> or anything. Yeah, it that's was a very wonderful. Good. That's a very it good. Was very such good. atmosphere, yeah. you know. Great, uh, great anecdotes, uh, Will. Nice to hear you again, too. Um, glad you're keeping, keeping well. And uh, obviously you haven't gone broke yet, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a punter. In fact, we were not allowed to go to any other casino. So effectively, you could not be a punter yeah. if you became a croupier. You know. no, nice to hear from you, Will. Good on you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Uh, Will, yeah, the great Will Hagen. Actually, I should give Will a, a call a bit later on about Os- Oscar Piastri too, the uh, the new Formula One driver who uh, was in his first Formula One race. Came on. anyway. That's another topic. Um, <laughs> now, Sarah, there you are. You see, um, at least croupiers can't gamble themselves. Oh, maybe that. Maybe that's something. T- tell me about gambling advertising because gambling gambling companies are very fond of saying we're just providing information. Blah blah blah. It doesn't encourage people to gamble more. This is just not so, is it? No, and 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 they obviously believe that it does um, raise revenue because the the amount of advertising that they've done has just increased dramatically uh, between 2011-2018, uh, enormous in, increase in advertising. And now there's almost a 1,000 uh, ads on free-to-air free to 
free-to-air TV every day or in the last year um, and during the traditional family viewing time between 6 and 8.30pm there's uh, mm. a, an average of 148 um, ads. I notice, I have to say, when I, I watch SBS on, dem- on demand there's a huge number of gambling ads um, which, you know, unfortunately I suppose the companies have to uh, make money but it, it is so... Um, yes, if you're trying to watch a movie on that, t- yeah, on that channel... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you just yeah. get you get smashed by yeah, ads, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Anyway, um, the other thing that is worth mentioning is um, advertising during sport, and it just creates that association between sport and gambling. And for children aged thirteen or younger, they'll never have seen an AFL game without gambling advertising. Um, and you sort of think, you know, surely. Um, Surely you can sort of separate, or surely people have got the right to just watch mm. sport and not have the, you know, have the advertising, the gambling mm. advertising at the same Maybe. time. Judith near uh, from uh, New South Wales. Hi, Judith. Oh, hello. Hi. You've got some friends who are problem gamblers. Well, I have had friends. Some mm. have passed. Mm. But <clears throat> I've thought about it a lot because I saw what happened, a marriage breakup, etc., and. Um, like someone was talking about casual gamblers who are people who don't have what you might call an issue. But I was just wondering, it might be a bit out there, but is it something to do with the feeling of being um, transcending money? Because money is something that we all have some kind of, issue with, whether we've got too much or not enough or um, some people have just enough but um, if you struggle with it and it seems to be as someone made the comment that a lot of people from the lower uh, bank accounts have problems with it and I just wonder if there could be something in the fact that Whilst you are gambling, you're not, um, you know, respecting money. You're mm. sort of disrespecting it in a sense. And if you win, well, you can have a laugh. But uh, if you don't, you've you've proved something to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thought. What do you think about that, Sarah? Is yeah, it... yeah. I mean, I think often, yes, we, people don't sort of mm. think about the value or the cost of what they're doing. I think money is what gives people the adrenaline hit. So, for example, if you think you could play poker and you could play it for matchsticks, um, people wouldn't find that as exciting. It's the very fact that there's a loss of something that's value, that's of value and a value to the individual mm. that uh, that is what kind of makes the the experience of gambling, um, you know, for mo- most forms of gambling, exciting. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you could get a gamble without money. I mean, you, <laughs> I wonder whether yeah. though, Sarah. I don't know whether <laughs> maybe there's no answer to this, but. I wonder whether it's really deeply embedded in our psyche somewhere. Deb thinks it is too. Deb's texted in the, on this. Mm-hmm. On this, uh, because I mean, for example, Deb, Deb uses the example of you know who hasn't ever tossed a coin to decide an outcome. In other words, is there something in in all of us that loves the idea, the thrill, the idea of there is something simple that's going to happen here, and it's entirely up to chance which way it's going to go. 
and I'd like to, <laughs> that, that that there's something fundamental in us that 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 it's a, that's attracted to that. We all, I mean, who hasn't tossed a coin? But with tossing a coin, uh, it's a bit different to. Well, it's a gamble. It's a one in two chance, isn't it? But but it's. There's no, there's no investment. There's, you're not, you're, you know, you, you're not saying if if it's heads, I'll give you ten dollars, or you know, if you do, then that's gambling. But mm. um, just tossing it is just looking at luck, or uh, yeah. I, well, it's the I, same though. I mean, we're, <laughs> that's. I, I suppose what I'm wondering about is whether or not there is something inherent in the activity which. Of course, when we monetize it, it's dangerous, as you say. Yeah. But is there yeah. something inherent in this which it's appealing to? Yeah. Look, possibly. I. I. I yeah. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, but I think with particularly with problem gambling, that's it's it's a it, there's a lot of biology and brain chemistry that's that that's that's playing out. That's really powerfully motivating behaviour. What do you think about the gambling? Um, Industries gamble responsible ad, responsible responsibly oh. ads. Uh, Sarah, this uh, these are these are what is what what is it? The common one. Know your limits. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Don't go in yeah, over yeah. your head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, all this sort of stuff. Well, you, I mean, sometimes you watch some of the the advertising, which is you know just silly and sort of supposedly lads being you know a bit crazy and a bit funny or whatever. And you know, in the end, they 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 make uh, they have this tagline: "Gamble responsibly." And mm. you know, it is meaningless. It is laughable. You know, it's it's like um, advertising to someone who you know to, to 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 alcoholics, and at the end of it, saying you know, "Don't drink," or or, or you know, to, to someone who's a smoker, and then. Saying, Saying at the end, be healthy. I mean, it is just totally meaningless. And and especially when you consider how, for example, poker machines are designed. Poker machines are des- deliberately designed with with music, with images, with sounds, with bright colours. You know, to generate a sense of uh, excitement and, and and almost a hypnotic lure. And to then sort of follow, you know, ads promoting or, or, or promotion of gambling, and then saying gamble responsibly, is um, is is just meaningless and sort of almost an insult. Mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm detecting some pushback. Uh, I mean, there was a bit of pushback I noticed in a news report today from some AFL players who said they didn't want to appear in sports bet ads. And mm. the New South Wales government at the moment they're going to an election in a week and a half's time. Oh, um, and and they're well. The government is pushing a quite uh, well historically comprehensive restriction on on poker machine gambling. They want to introduce the cashless gaming card. Mm. Uh, the opposition isn't really supporting them on this. Mm. Uh, so there are some moves to push push back on it. What do you think mm. of? Do you do you, do you detect that or not? Or do you think it's just a drop in the ocean? Oh, look, I, th- I think in New South Wales it's an, a really interesting – I mean, New South Wales is a particularly interesting situation because we have half the nation's pokies uh, in, in – well, when mm. I say we, New South Wales in, – in the pubs and clubs. And th- New South Wales has 35% of the world's poker machines, would you believe? Mm. There are 90,000 poker machines in New South Wales uh, clubs and pubs. And um, uh, it, last year um, – it. Problem gamblers lost um, over two billion dollars in poker machines in the first hundred days, um, and 
So, you know, it's sort of an extreme area. And as, as we've sort of said earlier, the biggest losses are in Western Sydney, Fairfield, Canterbury, uh, Bankstown, Blacktown, where people can least afford to be losing money. And a little bit of background with this cashless gaming card in uh, November uh, Last year, the New South Wales Crime Commission put out a report on money laundering through poker machines and they recommended the urgent introduction of a mandatory cashless gaming card. And this would help to combat crime um, and also at the same time reduce uh, gambling harm because people would be able to um, uh, you know, put a, specify a limit to how much they were willing to lose beforehand so that, that would sort of assist with controlling losses. And, um, you know, this is something that should have bipartisan support. I mean, it is such an important issue. It's got the support of so many sort of experts in the field and yet the New South Wales Hotel, uh, Australian Hotels Association is funding a, a campaign to, to thwart it. And we have Clubs New South Wales began a targeted campaign um, against the card and they targeted um, independent uh, MP Helen Dalton and, and several of the independents who back a, ca- a cashless gaming card. Well, the opposition's not supporting it either, are they? No, no, no. To their great shame, to their great shame, Labor has, um, you know, has not taken a bipartisan approach and Labor has, um, you know, come up with sort of other ideas. But there is no doubt that this is a really important part of the reform. And look, it's not going to eliminate problem gambling, but it will at least give problem gamblers a tool to have mm. some control. And as well as uh, you know, the, the whole money laundering thing, which is a huge issue in terms of um, mm. criminal activity. What do you make of the argument that's some, sometimes made is, well, all right, if you make poker machine gambling difficult, or, you know, it's not so easy to do, people will just find something else to do with gambling. It doesn't actually have to be that difficult. I mean, I, I think if people are allowed to set a limit on how much they're prepared to lose, it doesn't mean they're not allowed to play. Nobody's talking about banning um, poker machines. We're just talking about trying to avoid excessive losses. And, you know, if people have a little bit more control um, or have some external controls on on how much money they can lose, I mean, it just means that they come home with more and they've got more money to, you know, to, to, to spend on other things and to bring back to the family. Mm-hmm. Mark from Baker's Creek. Hello, Mark. Oh, good day, Phil and Sarah. Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for bringing that subject up. It's a really scary, isn't it, when you think about the fact that if Phil Phil Clark owned all these machines, they'd crucify him. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. they would. They'd, yeah. the, the police yeah. and everything. They'd have to. If hold Phil Clark owned the all these machines, go. Mark, you wouldn't you wouldn't know where I was. <laughs> You'd think <laughs> shoe collection would be come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be resting my feet in a bucket of champagne in some far-off place, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, I mean, you know, the, it's horrible to think that, you know, the the government especially, you know, and the, the, the lobbyists that, that are, in, you know, in, in the politicians here, they're, they're not representing us. They're, they're, you know, all these people who are being exploited, they're completely being abandoned by the people who are meant to represent them. And, and it's almost a sort of like a quasi sort of investment scheme. You know, oh, you've got a chance of getting rich. You know, yeah. what a lot of nonsense. Mm. And, I mean, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the, the subject of about socioeconomic. It, it's not about intelligence either. I've, I've seen some really, you know, the ducks of the, the high school I went to was a mad gambler, you know, and... 
you know, she she was she's a very educated person, but you know, and probability. I've seen a lot of gamblers who've got the the permutations worked out to the nth degree. It doesn't matter. That the, the people need to be protected. Our government needs to protect it, its people. That's what. That's mm, what my okay. Oh, fair enough. Uh, is it like yeah. other addictive behaviour, uh, Sarah? Well, it, it it is. It's it's very similar to alcohol addiction or drugs or or, or, or drugs. And in fact, uh, drug addiction and um, yeah, even food addiction uh, and other addictions. It actually triggers the same uh, biological processes in the brain. After a while, when people have re- repeated exposure to these sort of addictions, they become very sensitised to dopamine. And dopamine is the feel good chemical, which gives you a, a sense of pleasure. At the same time, when people are excited, they're also experiencing an adrenaline. And rush and those two, two things together are really powerful. So it's an overwhelming urge or drive that is almost impossible to control for some people, um, mm. and you know, and therefore it's you know f- for the individual or for for many individuals it is really really difficult to control that urge. And some people you know go into treatment and they they go into remission, but then they relapse again. Um, and, you know, look, the bottom line is the government is willing to regulate and to minimise harm for, you know, f- f- for drugs. They, you know, they, reg- they have regulations about wearing seatbelts. They have regulations about cigarette advertising. They have regulations about medicines and medications and what sort of medications are legal or Ill- and illegal. You know, they do legislate to protect people in some areas. But I just think with this gambling industry, it is such a powerful lobby group. And also, there is a lot of money that comes back to the governments in the form of taxation. And, um, you know, for that and who knows what other reasons, governments have been very uh, reluctant to regulate the industry. Mm. Yep. Robert from Harvey Bay. G'day, Robert. Yeah, mate. Um, I just a different sort of a thing that you haven't mentioned. Mm-hmm. When when my wife and I were, uh, were struggling very hard to keep our business afloat yep. and, and not doing too good at it, she found that by going to the poker machines, uh, money wasn't a money became a commodity. That's all. Mm-hmm. Not not like what the battle we were having at home trying to keep the thing on its feet. Uh, and um, she wasn't playing to win. She was paying for the privilege of sitting in this world of semi darkness with all the buzzes and bells and things going on like that, and becoming leaving reality right behind. Mm. And and that was her, her thing, which was I wasn't just impressed with it because like I was accounting every cent and she disappeared. But it was like twenty. She could she could get out of bed at midnight or something and just head off down to a pokey palace. Well, and uh, it was just a way of coping with the. Ignoring the realities of what we were going through at the time, you know. Mm, yeah. yeah, Robert, that is actually a really common uh, common story that people gamble when when they gamble, they're completely disconnected from things going on in their own lives. So one of the reasons people gamble is to um, just avoid, uh, not have to deal with um, the usual stresses. And um, look, if they're only gambling twenty dollars or you know even fifty dollars, and they can afford to do that, you know, it's not a problem. The real tragedy of it is when they you know they go into these um, these areas and they they go through that escape and then it's almost like through a hypnotic trance they just lose um, a lot more that they can afford. Uh, Kev from Coffs Harbour, g'day, Kev. Oh hi, How you oh, going? yeah, not bad. 
Oh, look, I, I went from working in a hotel years ago mm-hmm. with no pokies to a club. Mm-hmm. And and a bit, well, I, I had to leave. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't handle the poor uh, pensioners blowing their pokies, money in the pokies, and then, you know, coming over and begging for a beer, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've, I, it was just really depressing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, my brother-in-law won 70000 at Jupiter's not long after they opened it. That was enough to buy a house back then. Yeah. And, of course, honorary member, free food, come back, you know. Yeah. And he blew it all. Wow. Uh, I have a friend whose wife spent all their savings mm. without him realising. Uh, and it's, it is, it's like uh, drugs. It's, they, they seem to have mm. no vision, these people. Mm. Uh, it's like they've never been taught to look into the future and think about things. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, it is the same as drugs because the, the amount of psychological, uh, say, or, you know, call it damage or whatever you want to call it, will govern the amount of personal damage they will do to themselves mm. in one way or another. And, you know, it's just, a, it's just it's such a dead-end way to gamble, you know. You can't beat a machine. There is, it's impossible. You're gambling against a computer, for goodness sake. That's right. That's right. You guarantee. And they've got it screwed down. You're getting a penny for a pound, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. And it's, and it's, it's a machine. It's a device that's been designed specifically to yeah. maximise people's desire to keep going, mm. uh, you know, with all of the, you know, the images, the colours, the music, the, the sounds, the excitement that it, that it exudes. And you get little wins along the way, and some people do win, you know, a large win, but because of the, you know, the psychological aspect of it, very, very often people put that money, you know, it all ends up going back in the machine and, and is lost um, soon after. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, that is the nature of addiction. It is not rational. And in fact, some of these people can be intelligent, you know, decent, good people, but they, you know, they do so much damage and not only to themselves, but to their families, to their poor kids who, you know, often can't afford, you know, the basics for school because there's just no money. Um, you know, it creates arguments in the home, it creates uh, sometimes, you know, extreme circumstances, you know, neglect, um, relationship breakdowns, in some cases suicide attempts, in some cases uh, actually Mm. completion of suicide. So it creates misery, misery. Yeah, one of the other um, things that irks me sometimes is the way that gambling companies say they they support, and this is often clubs say this, you know, that we, we support community sport. Uh, on this idea that there'd be no community sport if there wasn't, if there weren't yeah. uh, poker machines or, cl- or cl- clubs with poker machines, which you know is such a frankly ridiculous idea. But anyway, yeah, it's but absolutely. it's al- it's allowed to go around, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and in fact, I think one of the one of the lines is um, it's it's about now making themselves the victims. You know, with with this cashless gaming card, I, I noticed with the advertisement against the independent MP Helen Dalton, they, they've put out posters everywhere, and it says, "Helen, your attack on local clubs is wrong," and it is such an outrageous thing to say because she is not attacking local clubs. She supports a, ga- a cashless gaming card, which is about first of all eliminating money laundering and secondly helping people with problem gambling. Mm. The truth is some clubs would would die without poker machines. 
And and in some cases, the government has actually said, you know, they can compensate or they can look at, yes, there, there may be a small, but they're not even talking about eliminating poker machines. They're talking about just helping people set limits or mm. eliminating uh, money laundering and helping people set limits on the amount that they spend so that they don't spend more than they can afford. Mm. And surely, um, you know, that has to be a priority. Hmm. It's not. It's not about not you know st- making gambling illegal or stopping gambling. In short, how can you how can you help yourself? Look, it's a really diabolically difficult um, addiction to get over in the same way as is you know alcohol addiction and drug a- addiction. But you need to start by first of all being honest with yourself, uh, recognizing the extent of your addiction. A lot of people with uh, who are gambling addicts di- are in denial or don't you know don't believe that they have a really serious problem. You need to take a break from gambling and just recognise that, you know, is, is how hard is it to, to not gamble for a while. You need to talk to somebody. I always say own it. If there's something that you're doing that is that you're ashamed of or that you feel is wrong, own it. Talk, to, you know, talk about it. Join a community. Find a support group or even a sponsor that you can talk to and hold you accountable. And for people that are really, you know, have problems with money, managing their money because of gambling, you might need to put in place uh, a strategy to prevent the spending of money. It might be letting a loved one um, hold on to your credit card or giving them control of your bank account so that you can't withdraw. Um, money without their sort of without their say so, mm. and um, sometimes even understanding why you're gambling. I mean, people gamble for different reasons. They're looking for different things. Sometimes it's a, a distraction for de- from depression or stress. Sometimes it's more complex than that. It might be related to complex trauma, trauma from childhood, etc. Um, understanding that, and I think very often seeing a therapist is, uh, and a therapist who specialises in gambling or who has extensive experience in treating gambling disorders, because it really is a specialist area. Mm, um, mm. So seeing somebody who knows what they're doing um, when they're treating some medications disorders. can help apparently. Yeah, the one that's often talked about is uh, called naltrexone, and that is it's it's a uh, narcotic antagonist. And what that means is it blocks the effect of narcotics from affecting your brain. It actually blocks the neurons or the the brain cells from, or the receptors in the brain from being able to um, experience the the high, the the high that comes with um, any sort of compulsive um, behavior. So Mm. it's often used for heroin addiction. Um, but it does. I mean, it's not a magic solution, but it's it's actually helpful amongst a whole series of strategies to to help people to to okay. give up uh, gambling. All right, time has beaten us, unfortunately. But uh, if uh, it's raised questions for you tonight, Gamblers Anonymous, of course, is a is a self help group website, and the website is GA Australia Gambling Gamblers Anonymous Australia Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, the Gamblers Help Youth Line for under twenty five is one eight hundred. Two six two three seven six and the National Debt Hotline too. By the way, the National Debt Hotline is one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight, which uh, will offer you some assistance as well. And there are other helps. Uh, other uh, there is other help available. Sarah, always good to talk. Thank you. Thanks, Philip. Sarah Edelman, clinical psychologist, joining us. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.